0: Section six of the Pagan Madonna by Harold McGrath. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter six. Now then, the further adventures of Ling Fu of Wu-Sung Road. He was an honest chinaman. He would beat you down if he were buying, or he would overcharge you if he were selling. There was nothing dishonest in this. It was legitimate business. He was only shrewd, not crooked. But on this day he came into contact with a situation that tried his soul, and tricked him into overplaying his hand. That morning he had returned to his shop in a contented frame of mind. He stood clear of the tragedy of the night before. That had never happened. He had dreamed it. Of course he would be wondering whether or not the man had died. WHEN LING FU WENT FORTH WITH HIS BUSINESS IN HIS PACK, HE ALWAYS CLOSED THE SHOP. HERE IN UPPER WUSONG ROAD IT WOULD NOT HAVE PAID HIM TO HIRE A CLERK. HIS WIFE, OBEDIENT CREATURE THOUGH SHE WAS, SPOKE ALMOST NO pigeon BUSINESS ENGLISH, AND BESIDES THAT, SHE WAS A POOR bargainer. IT WAS HARD BY NOON, WHEN HE LET HIMSELF INTO THE SHOP. THE FIRST OBJECT HE SOUGHT WAS HIS METAL PIPE. TWO PUFFS, AND THE CRAVING WAS SATISFIED. He took up his counting rack and slithered the buttons back and forth he had made 3 sales at the aster and 2 at the palace which was fair business considering the times a shadow fell across the till-top ling fu raised his slanted eyes his face was like a graven buddha's but there was a crackling in his ears as of many firecrackers there he stood the man with the slewing walk Ling-Fu still wore a cue, so his hair could not very well stand on end. YOU SPEAK ENGLISH. It was not a question. It was a statement. Ling-Fu shrugged. KANDU. CUT OUT THE pigeon. YOUR NEIGHBOR SAYS YOU SPEAK ENGLISH FLUENTLY. AT Moy's TEA HOUSE RESTAURANT THEY SAY YOU LIVED IN CALIFORNIA FOR SEVERAL YEARS. TWELVE, SAID Ling-Fu, WITH A CERTAIN DRY HUMOR. WHY DIDN'T YOU ADMIT ME LAST NIGHT? SHOP CLOSED where is it where is what asked the merchant the string of glass beads you found on the floor last night a sense of disaster rolled over the oriental had he been over hasty in ridding himself of the beads patience wait a bit let the stranger open the door to the mystery glass beads he repeated ruminatively i will give you ten gold for them ha now they were getting somewhere Ten gold. Then those devil beads had some worth outside a jeweller's computations. Ling-Fu smiled and spread his yellow hands. I haven't them. Where are they? The Oriental loaded his pipe and fired it. Where is the man who stumbled in here last night? He countered. His body is probably in the Yangtze by now, returned Cunningham grimly. He knew his Oriental. He would have to frighten this Chinaman badly, or engage his cupidity to a point where resistance would be futile. There was a devil brooding over his head. Ling Fu felt it strangely. His charms were in the far room. He would have to fend off the devil without material aid, and that was generally a hopeless job. With that twist of Oriental thought which will never be understood by the Occidental, Ling Fu laid down his campaign. I found it true, but I sold it this morning. FOR HOW MUCH? FOR mix. CUNNINGHAM LAUGHED. IT WAS ACTUALLY HONEST LAUGHTER, PROVOKED BY A LIVELY SENSE OF HUMOR. TO WHOM DID YOU SELL IT, AND WHERE CAN I FIND THE BUYER? LING Fu PICKED UP THE LAUGHTER, AS IT WERE, AND GAVE HIS INDIVIDUAL QUIRK TO IT. I SEE, SAID CUNNINGHAM GRAVELY. SO? GET THAT NECKLACE BACK FOR ME, AND I WILL GIVE YOU A HUNDRED GOLD. FIVE HUNDRED. YOU SAW WHAT HAPPENED LAST NIGHT. "'Oh, you will not beat my head,' Ling-Fu declared easily. "'What is there about this string of beads that makes it worth a hundred gold, and life worth nothing?' "'Very well,' said Cunningham resignedly. "'I am a secret agent of the British government. "'That string of glass beads is the key to a code relating to the uprisings in India. "'The loss of it will cost a great deal of money and time. "'Bring it back here this afternoon, and I will pay down five hundred gold.' i agree replied ling foo tossing his pipe into the alcove but no one must follow me i do not trust you there is nothing to prevent you from robbing me in the street and refusing to pay me and where will you get five hundred gold gold has vanished even the leaf has all but disappeared cunningham dipped his hand into a pocket and magically a dozen double eagles rolled and vibrated upon the counter sending into ling foo's ears that music so peculiar to gold Many days had gone by since he had set his gaze upon the yellow metal. His hand reached down, only to feel, but not so quickly as the white hand, which scooped up the coin trickily with the skill of a prestidigitator. Five hundred gold, then. But are you sure you can get the beads back? Ling Fu smiled. I have a way. I will meet you in the lobby of the Astor House at five. And he bowed with Oriental courtesy. Agreed. All above board, remember, or you will feel the iron hand of the British government. Ling Fu doubted that, but he kept his doubt to himself. I warn you, I shall go armed. You will bring the gold to the Astor House, if I see you after I depart. Lord love you, once that code key is in my hands, you can go to heaven or the devil as you please. We live in rough times, Ling Fu. So we do. There is a stain on the floor, about where you stand. It is the blood of a white man.' WHAT WOULD YOU, WHEN A COMRADE ATTEMPTS TO DECEIVE YOU?" "'At five in the lobby of the Astor House. Good day,' concluded Ling Fu, fingering the buttons on his counting-rack. Cunningham limped out into the cold sunshine. Ling Fu shook his head. So like a boy's, that face. He shuddered slightly. He knew that a savage devil lay ready behind that handsome mask. He had seen it last night. But five hundred gold for a string of glass beads? Ling Fu was an honest man. He would pay you cash for cash in a bargain. If he overcharged you that was your fault, but he never sold you imitations on the basis that you would not know the difference. If he sold you a Ming jar for twice what it was worth in the great marts, experts would tell you that it was Ming. He had some jade of superior quality, the translucent deep apple green. He never carried it about. He never even spoke of it, unless he was sure that the prospective customer was wealthy. His safe was in a corner of his workshop. An American yegg would have laughed at it, opened it as easily as a ripe peach, but in this district it was absolute security. Ling Fu was obliged to keep a safe, for often he had valuable pearls to take care of, sometimes to peel a pearl, on the chance that under the dull skin lay the gem. He trotted to the front door and locked it, then he trotted into his workshop, planning. If the glass beads were worth five hundred, wasn't it likely they would be worth a thousand? If this man who limped had stuck to the hundred, Ling Fu knew that he would have surrendered eventually. But the ease with which the stranger made the jump from one to five hundred convinced Ling Fu that there could be no harm in boosting five to ten. If there was a taint of crookedness anywhere, that would be on the other side. Ling Fu knew where the beads were, and he would transfer them for one thousand gold smart business nothing more than that he had the whip hand out of his safe he took a blackwood box beautifully carved cantonese headbands earrings rings charms necklaces tomb ornaments some of them royal all of them nearly as ancient as the hills of kwan from which most of them had been quarried jade he trickled them from palm to palm and one by one returned the objects to the box IN THE END HE RETAINED TWO STRINGS OF beads SO ALIKE THAT IT WAS DIFFICULT TO DISCERN ANY DIFFERENCE. ONE WAS QUANLUN JADE, ROYAL lute; THE OTHER WAS A COPY IN Nanshan STONE. THE FIRST WAS PRICELESS, WORTH WHAT ANY FOOL COLLECTOR WAS READY TO PAY. THE COPY WAS WORTH PERHAPS A HUNDRED GOLD. HELD TO THE LIGHT THERE WAS A SUBTLE DIFFERENCE, BUT ONLY AN EXPERT COULD HAVE TOLD YOU WHAT THIS WAS. THE ROYAL JADE DID NOT CATCH THE LIGHT SO STRONGLY AS THE COPY. The touch of human warmth had slightly dulled the stone. Ling Fu transferred the copy to a purse he wore attached to his belt under the blue jacket. The young woman would never be able to resist the jade. She would return the glass instantly. A thousand gold, less the cost of the jade. Good business! But for once his oriental astuteness overreached, as has been seen. And to add to his discomfiture, he never again saw the copy of the Kwan Loon, representing the virtue of the favourite wife. I am an honest man, he said. The tombs of my ancestors are not neglected. When I say I could not get it, I speak the truth. But I believe I can get it later. How? asked Cunningham. They were in the office or bureau of the Astor House, which the manager had turned over to them for the moment. Remember, the arm of the British government is long. Ling Fu shrugged. BEING AN HONEST MAN, I DO NOT FEAR. SHE WOULD HAVE GIVEN IT TO ME BUT FOR THAT OFFICER. HE KNEW SOMETHING ABOUT JADE. CUNNINGHAM NODDED. CONCEIVABLY HE WOULD. HE JINGLED THE GOLD IN HIS POCKET. HOW DO YOU propose TO GET THE BEADS? GO TO THE lady's ROOM LATE. I LEFT THE JADE WITH HER. ALONE SHE WILL NOT RESIST. I SAW IT IN HER EYES. BUT IT WILL BE DIFFICULT. I SEE. FOR YOU TO GET INTO THE HOTEL LATE. I'LL ARRANGE THAT WITH THE MANAGER. YOU WILL BE COMING TO MY ROOM. WHAT FLOOR IS HER ROOM ON THE THIRD THE SAME AS MINE THAT FALLS NICELY RETURN THEN AT HALF AFTER TEN YOU WILL COME TO MY ROOM FOR THE GOLD LING FU SAW HIS thousand SHRINK TO THE ORIGINAL FIVE HUNDRED BUT THERE WAS NO HELP FOR IT AT HALF AFTER TEN HE KNOCKED ON THE PANEL OF JANE'S DOOR AND WAITED HE KNOCKED AGAIN STILL THE SUMMONS WAS NOT ANSWERED THE THIRD ASSAULT WAS EMPHATIC LING FU HEARD FOOTSTEPS BUT BEHIND HIM HE TURNED the meddling young officer was striding toward him what are you doing here dennison demanded his own appearance in the corridor at this hour might have been subjectable to inquiry he had left jane at nine he had seen her to the lift perhaps he had walked the bund for an hour or two but worriedly the thought of the arrival in shanghai of his father and the rogue cunningham convinced him that some queer game was afoot and that it hinged somehow upon those beads there was no sighing in regard to his father for the past that was an astonishing but purely accidental meeting Tomorrow each would go his separate way again all that was a closed page he had long ago readjusted his outlook on the basis that reconciliation was hopeless a sudden impulse spun him on his heel and he hurried back to the astor the hour did not matter or the possibility that jane might be abed he would ask permission to become the temporary custodian of the beads what were they to have brought his father across the Pacific, if indeed they had? Anyhow, he would end his own anxiety in regard to Jane by assuming the risks, if any, himself. His uniform was a passport that required no visay. Ling-Fu eyed him blandly. I am leaving for the province in the morning, so I had to come for my jade to-night, but the young lady is not in her room. She must be, cried Dennison, alarmed. Miss Norman, he called, beating on the door. No sound answered from within. Denison pondered for a moment. Ling Fu also pondered, apprehensively. He suspected that some misfortune had befallen the young woman, for her kind did not go prowling alone round Shanghai at night. Slewfoot! Should he utter his suspicion to this American officer? But if it should become a police affair— Bitterly he arraigned himself for disclosing his hand to Slewfoot. That demon had forestalled him. No doubt by now he had the beads. TEN THOUSAND DEVILS PURSUE HIM. Denison struck his hands together, and by and by a sleepy Chinese boy came scuffling along the corridor. TUCKY MANAGER COME topside," said Denison. When the manager arrived perturbed, Denison explained the situation. WILL YOU OPEN THE DOOR? THE MANAGER AGREED TO DO THAT. THE BEDROOM WAS EMPTY, THE BED HAD NOT BEEN TOUCHED, BUT THERE WAS NO EVIDENCE THAT THE OCCUPANT DID NOT INTEND TO RETURN you shall leave everything just as it is said dennison authoritatively i am her friend if she does not return by one o'clock i shall notify the police and have the young lady's belongings transferred to the american consulate she is under the full protection of the united states government you will find out if any saw her leave the hotel and what the time was stay here in the doorway while i look about he saw the jade necklace reposing in the soap dish and in an ironical mood he decided not to announce the discovery to the Chinaman. Let him pay for his cupidity. In some mysterious manner he had got his yellow claws on those infernal beads, and the rogue Cunningham had gone to him with a substantial bribe. So let the pigtail wail for his jade. On the dresser he saw a sheet of paper partly opened. Beside it lay a torn envelope. Denison's heart lost a beat. The handwriting was his father's. End of chapter six, read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California, shaggybark.blogspot.com.